Today is Friday, March 9th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 253 featuring C's radio analyst Cedric Maxwell is brought to you by Simple Contacts. Shop for lenses the easiest way possible at simplecontacts.com and use the promo code CELTICSNEWS at checkout for $30 off your first order. Again, that's simplecontacts.com, promo code CELTICSNEWS for $30 off. Okay, apologies in advance if you're tight on time, but we have got a long and just jam-packed great show with so many good nuggets coming your way over the next little while. Adam Kaufman here with you. This, of course, is Celtics Beat, and I want to begin with a major announcement, a major show announcement. You've been used to Sunday releases for years. It's been appointment listening like your favorite TV show. Well, things are about to get a little wacky. There may be multiple shows a week, may just be one a week, but worst case, you are guaranteed to get the one show per week. Thing is, it won't necessarily fall on a Sunday because we want to ensure that we are as current and up to the moment as possible with everything concerning the C's and the rest of the NBA. In the offseason, we can go back to Sundays around the draft, maybe free agency, but for now, we're going to just be a little all over the map. And that's why, pay attention, you have to subscribe. Yes, I'm going to tweet out the shows at Adam M. Kaufman, but if you subscribe on iTunes, you won't even need me to do that. When a new show drops, you'll be alerted instantly, and it would be foolish not to, really, because there are so many subscribers already that enjoy this show. You can see it in the ratings and the comments, and I want you to leave ratings and comments. Tell us how much you're enjoying the program. If you're not, I want to know that, too. Might hurt my feelings a little bit, but yes, I want to know. The more ratings and comments, the more sponsors, the more shows. That is how all this works. Always feel free to tweet me, but most importantly, subscribe. Now, today's show, perfect example of the changes, because truthfully, we planned to do this one for a Sunday release, and then I would give you that announcement, except Jalen Brown last night went out and got hurt in Minnesota, and then I was hungry to react immediately and to get to you here, because this was incredibly scary. Jalen Brown threw down a dunk, hit the ground, was almost, he was motionless, really, for several moments before eventually walking off, getting a CT scan, and returning to Boston with the team with what he called a headache. He tweeted after the fact, here's the latest from Brad Stevens after the game. We saw him react and respond to the um, initial process that they went through with the team doc on the floor and him standing up, him being able to move and everything. And that was my first thought. I've had one before where he was laying there after hitting the stanchion. We didn't know if he would regain the you know movement in his limbs. And that that's my first thought when I saw Jalen hit the ground was when he left, he was again. You could tell he was feeling a lot better. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is, but... Um, we'll get it checked out. We'll make sure we take care of it. You can often find Celtics postgame sound on the CLNS YouTube page. I'd encourage you to do that. Subscribe there as well. You'll get plenty of sound sent your way constantly. But listening to Brad, it's clear. And if you watched any of the postgame coverage on TV or you've just read up on what has been going on, C's avoided a huge scare. We don't know how long Jalen's going to be out. Doesn't sound long-term, but concussions are unpredictable if, in fact, he does definitively have one. But it's great, obviously, that the C's and Jalen especially dodged a bullet. He's incredibly important to Boston's success and right now incredibly lucky. I don't know how you feel but 
I tweeted this out in the moment that it happened. After those first few moments, those first few moments were so much scarier to me than when Gordon Hayward went down opening night. Hayward's injury was nasty. It was gruesome. It looked like it could have been career-threatening. But at the end of the day, he had broken bones. Not to trivialize it, it's significant. He hasn't played yet this year. Maybe he won't, but it was broken bones. The sound made when Brown hit the ground, the way he froze, looked to seize up, arms kind of clenched out upon impact. He was sort of beady-eyed, not blinking. Kevin Hartlett shouted, he's concussed, but I was worried he was paralyzed. Weren't you? That could have been life-altering, never mind his career. That is the difference between the Hayward and Brown situation. The reason that I still, hours later, I can't get that image of him falling and the look on his face out of my head. Don't go back and watch the video if you haven't seen it. Don't go watch it again if you have. It, It gets burned into your brain, but take a breath. It's a major relief. We're going to hear from Cedric Maxwell a little bit later on about all of this and what it was like on the team flight, his observations of Jalen, how long he thinks he'll be out. We'll get to all of that stuff. But some other things, just because a lot has happened since our last show, which wasn't even that long ago. For starters, the Al Horford debate. It's all over the place. Good God, I can't do it anymore. Danny Ainge was on the radio during the week. He was asked about Horford and his value, and he said that Horford admittedly hasn't been as good the last few weeks as he was the end of last year or earlier this year, but he's a pro. He prepares. He isn't trying trying to fill out the stat sheet. He's trying to lead, gets other guys going, does the little things that don't show up in the box score. He's versatile on both ends. He defends fours who hang out around the perimeter, like Porzingis, like Giannis, like Towns, who's not a four. But obviously, I mean, we know what these guys can do, these bigs that can stretch. Well, Horford can do that too. He shows value in his passing and shooting. He's one of the better three-point shooters on the team and in the league among bigs for that matter. So I'm not worried about him. I don't know why people are. And if you care that much about what he makes, you gotta get over it. But Max can explain all of that even better than I can, and he will. I'm going to make him. The other thing this week was, is Gordon Hayward going to play? Brad? He's not playing this year. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what oh, else yeah, to say. That. Yeah. You know, when you're in the midst of that long rehab, you don't feel the progress of the day-to-day the way now we all might see a video or, or somebody that hasn't seen him may see a video and say, man, he is really getting better. But he's, I mean, super long way away from it even being in a one-on-oh workout where he's cutting. So that was about a week ago, and since Hayward's dad spoke with a reporter out in Utah, said he's working his tail off, if he could play, that'd be great, but I don't think that's really possible. He's not even running or jumping yet. And then so many people, when I put that out there, linking the story, have said, what do you mean he's not jumping? He was jumping in the Players' Tribune video. That's not jumping. A jump shot where you're like two inches off the ground, to me, I'm guessing, I haven't talked to Hayward's dad, I don't think that's what he means by he's not jumping. I think what he means is he's not you know, going up trying to touch a rim. You know what I mean? He's not He's not jumping. He's not trying to contest a shot. He's not leaping. A little inch or two on a jump shot, that's not jumping to me, even though it's in the title. I get it. But during the week, Danny Ainge gave the latest update on the sports hub in Boston. I don't believe that Gordon thinks he's going to play. I think that Gordon just wants to show everyone when he comes back next year that, you know, all the, all the work that he put in to get back to who he was when he got here, or even better player than he was when he got hurt. He's not even full weight-bearing on his foot doing anything, yet he is on the Alter G, which is half his body weight, maybe up to 60% of his body weight, and, um, you know, there's just a long way to go before he can get out on a basketball court, and then once he's 100% cleared physically, which he's not close to that yet. Um, there's a there's a long process of just 
you know, getting your mind and your confidence in your in your foot and overcoming the mental part of it. But amazingly, we're still debating, right? We just don't want to take no for an answer. Brad says no. Danny basically said no. His dad basically said no. And yet here we are because we see a couple of videos and updates and tweets and Instagram posts from his wife, Robin, that, well, I don't know. He still may play. And look, I'm with you. I'm as bad as you are. I haven't ruled it out. I mean, if if I had to say yes or no, I would say no. But I don't have to, and I don't want to. And I listen to guys like Mike Gorman, who are around the organization, around the players, and more connected than I am, say, I still think he's going to play. I still think before the end of the postseason, he's going to be out there. I can't ignore that. I'm as crazy and delusional as you people are. But what I will say, as I've always said, and I won't harp beyond this, he's not going to push himself beyond where he should. The organization most certainly won't, because he has a career to worry about. He's a young guy, and as far as the organization's concerned, beyond if you look at it just as a business, you know, take the human element out of it, he's an investment. They're not going to jeopardize that year one into a very lucrative four-year deal. Then there was this for Mange. Kyrie Irving sat out Monday's win in Chicago, and then he played great in Minnesota. Clearly rests, maintenance against a bad team. That's all I'll believe. But Ainge was asked about the knee soreness. It's something that he'll have to manage the rest of his career. I don't think he's getting... I, 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 I'm sorry, what? He's going to have to manage it the rest of his career? Not this year, his career. Career, Danny. Being serious, but, you know, if we want Kyrie healthy and fresh and he carries a heavy burden, the offensive load that he carries, so we're okay with him missing some games. We feel like we have a deep roster and we need him to be healthy and fresh. And we knew going into the year that he would not play 82 games in the regular season. So this is just a maintenance type of thing. So Danny said while I was stepping on him, he doesn't believe it's anything serious. Look, I have no problem prioritizing Irving's health, sitting him out games down the stretch, like against a garbage Chicago team and not chasing certain seeding. Just be healthy, keep minutes down during the regular season, save some stamina, so to speak, and don't make him carry the load the way LeBron is for Cleveland right now. I'm good with that. In fact, I prefer that. This team isn't last year's plucky overachievers that landed the one seed because the Cavs totally took their foot off the gas for this very reason. Get healthy. This team belongs in the contender conversation, at least in the Eastern Conference, to come out and represent the East in the finals. But I hear career. Manage this for his career. And I think, does he need surgery? Where was that follow-up in that interview, especially after the reports surrounding the Cleveland trade? Do you remember? Cleveland.com reported last year that Irving threatened to sit out this season to have surgery on his knee if he wasn't traded. That showed the relationship was fractured, and therefore he was moved. But you don't just say you're going to go under the knife for funsies, right? You don't. That's when there's a problem. Now, maybe it's just minor. Maybe it's a cleanup procedure as indicated, and he would have done the surgery in season and and missed most of it. And the article indicates as much, just to say he has to ease some of his day-to-day pain. But there's clearly an issue there, and Danny Ainge just hammered that home. And I I just don't think that should be ignored. I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. He looked great against Minnesota, and I suspect he will for the rest of the year. But I just, I wonder, pure curiosity, what comes next as we inch closer to the playoffs, and then most especially the offseason. So, obviously, there's a lot there. But overall, things are good. Seas clinched a playoff spot last night. They're 6-1 since the break. Two games behind the Raptors for first in the East. The Cavs continue to be inconsistent. All around Al Horford's coming off two very good performances against the Bulls and Wolves after that no-show in Houston. Marcus Morris is rolling. Greg Monroe has turned a corner. Gordon Hayward is going to start practicing next week. Just kidding. See what I did there, though? Kind of freaked you out for a little bit. 
All right, enough for me and, and all those other voices. Let's go to one of the voices, Cedric Maxwell, radio analyst for the team on 98.5 The Sports Hub and across the Celtics radio network, two-time champ, finals MVP, number 31 on the rafters. I don't know why I'm giving a resume. Everybody knows Max. How are you? I'm doing fine this morning, sir. Just a little tired from last night's game, but it was a good victory for the Celtics and uh, and and even more blessful when Jalen Brown was able to get up after a very scary spiel after a dunk he had in the third quarter. Well, you're not kidding. Let's start there, Max, because obviously you were in Minnesota and you know as well as anybody how scary that scene was with Jalen Brown. But unlike most, you travel with the team. So did you see him or talk to him after the game on the flight? Uh, all I saw was the fact that he was on the plane, and that was uh, that was a great sign. The fact that he got up. Uh, you know, after sitting there motionless for you know seems like and seemed like an hour, it was only like a few a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, when he started to move his extremities, he started to move his arm and you know and legs. Everything started to move. And then when he, you know, they were going to cart him off on the stretcher, and then and put the neck brace on, and then he popped up. I was like, oh my god! And <laughs> I mean, the whole crowd just erupted. His his teammates were happy and at the end he's walking off on his own power and he puts his hand up and thanks to people for you know for for their concern what was your feeling the moment it happened because obviously you're doing your thing you're on the air Kevin Harlan on TV the second it happened he shouts out he's concussed was that your fear were you thinking something worse is that all? That's that's what yeah, that's what he said. Now, I'm, I'm with you. To me, it seemed much worse than that. Yeah, because the way he fell, I mean, he's inches. He was inches away from disaster. I mean, it could have been it, it could have been paralysis mm-hmm. if he fell an inch left or right, and his shoulder hit took the brunt of it. It seemed like his right shoulder took the brunt of it. And, you know, he tucked his neck just in time. And his neck didn't get that full snap on the floor. So, you know, it was uh, – concuss would have been like – I think concuss would have been okay compared to what I was thinking. I was thinking paralysis or, or even worse, the way he failed. Well, and it sounds like you kind of fall in line with me. I was saying this earlier that when that happened, again, in the moment of it, when same as you, I was thinking possible paralysis, that was such a, it, it was not to compare the two, but to compare the two, it was a scarier moment to me watching that than watching the Gordon Hayward injury. Because oh, what happened yeah. with Gordon, oh. you know, that was that was a break. You know, you worried at worst, maybe it's career threatening, but this was life threatening. Yes, easily. I mean, that that is exactly what my thought was, you know, because if you break a bone, a lot of people have broke bones in their lives, but to break a neck, to break a back, to break, you know, a vertebrae in that area, that to me, that that's life altering. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that was the, the major thing I looked at and said, Oh my God, when he hit, cause it was, you could hear Sean make the call and I'm like, Oh, great. Oh, Oh, and that was just a whole nother, set of emotions that went with it when he failed. So what was the mood on the flight? You know, is, is everybody feeling a little optimistic about Jalen's status going forward? Do, you, do they suspect, do you suspect it'll be a long-term absence? No, I don't I don't think it will be. You know, obviously I'm not a doctor, but if it was going to be a longer-term prognosis, I think that first of all, they would have kept him, he wouldn't have walked off the floor. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he wouldn't have been on the team plane going back home with us last night and walking down the steps and then getting in his car and driving home. Did he drive uh, home on his own? Do you know that? Uh, I no. Normally, these the guys have you know drivers that come and pick them up or or friends. I think Jalen probably did, but uh, just the fact that he walked down the, the flight of steps and did all that to me was. Uh, was a great sign. And he did that uh, under I, his own power, nobody helping him down the steps? No, nah, I don't think anybody helped him down the steps. I didn't see him exactly come down the steps, but I saw him on the plane. So I know he had to walk up the steps by mm-hmm. himself. So um, it was uh, it, it was, it was a moment. It, it was really a moment. And I think everybody was optimistic about that, first of all. And then about the way the team is playing. I mean, they've uh, kind of gotten over that, um, I guess, the the all-star hiccup that they had or pre-all-star game mm-hmm. hiccup they had. So I, I was saying a little while ago that obviously Kyrie Irving was back in the lineup. He looked good. But Danny Ainge was on the radio yesterday and said that Kyrie's probably going to have to manage his knee injury throughout his career, not just this year. As a former player, is that common? I mean, do lots of guys have injuries that just kind of linger on forever? Or do you think it's something he's going to need to address maybe with surgery in the offseason? I mean, it can go both ways. I, I really don't know what the injury is, but I can say this as a former player. Your knees don't really improve. As <laughs> you start to get older and you start to get mileage on them, you know, the aches and the pains and the bumps. I, I wish one thing I had done, and I'd say this to anybody who is who is an athlete now or athletic, you know, once you do a vigorous workout, then you should always go to the ice treatment. Uh, and give your knees time to cool off, to give them therapy. Uh, normally, younger players don't. You know, we just get up, we have, we play 40 minutes, bang, run, burn those knees up, and then at the end, you know, those last years, you know, your knees get to be crickety, and just it, it, it's just you're you're always in some kind of, um, you know, nagging, not a nagging pain, but but a pain. Uh, and so he'll probably have to deal with that for the rest of his life, considering uh, you know his profession. You know this. I certainly don't need to tell you. There's so much criticism of Al Horford, even when he's playing well. But he's admitted that on the whole, since the break, he is not. He's been much better the last couple of games. I'm an Al defender. Now, I recognize the value that goes beyond the box score, all the intangibles and impacting winning. I didn't expect him when he came here to be a, a 2010 guy because he's never been a 2010 guy. But for all the value that I see and others see, many don't or just don't care to try and find it. So I'm going to defer to you. Again, the former player and a damn good one. What makes Al Horford so valuable to this team? What aren't people seeing? Well, let's look back over Al's career. In his career, has he ever missed the playoffs? Don't believe so. He has never missed the playoffs. You can start at that particular thing. He is is a, I think he's a barometer, and he's also a perfect fit what what Brad Stevens wanted. He's understated. He plays the game hard. Uh, he's intelligent. Uh, he's not the rah-rah, give-me-the-ball type of guy. He will hit big shots, but he likes to defer, and he starts to be a facilitator, and he helps other guys. He helps other guys become better, and I think that's the biggest attribute. When he was in Atlanta, and they, that team was really starting to be good, he made other guys better on that team from the time he stepped on the floor as a rookie. He's come here and essentially kind of done the same thing, and he's also been a guy who has attracted 
other guys who are free agents to come here to this team because he is that kind of stand-up quality guy who does not need the ball and wants to represent a squad in the right way. I suppose, and I know you don't intend it this way, but I suppose, you know, you hear he makes other guys better, he's he's a winning player. Those can come off as kind of cliche. Specifically, when you watch him on the floor, whether it's stylistically, the things that he just does really well that don't show up on the box score, what is it that makes him so successful that people refuse to acknowledge because the, the raw bulk numbers aren't there? Well, I think, first of all, he becomes an outside outside threat. So he makes it easier for guys like Kyrie and Marcus and uh, any of those guys to get to the hole because he's able to stand out beyond the three-point line, and he is a consistent danger from that area. You start there. He's a good rebounder, rebounds the ball well. He blocks shots. He defends the basketball really well. He takes the toughest guy. Like last night, uh, Carl Anthony Towns was below his average because Al was kind of up in his job. Al is just uh, he's he's the kind of guy that if the Celtics were to lose him, there would be 30-some teams lined up trying to get Al Horford to see if they could get him on the team if nobody else, if the Celtics didn't want him. He's, uh, he is, uh, obviously he's on it's not at the very top physically, and you can see that, you know, there, there's a valley, but the valley's a long ways away on his way down. His skill set really matches what the NBA does now. To that end, what would you have thought of Al when you were a player? And I suppose what I mean by that is as you've evolved from player to commentator, as the league and its players have evolved physically, statistically, stylistically, has your view of a guy like Al changed over the years? Well, when you get a chance to meet the person and see what that person's like in an 82-game stretch, I used to watch Al Horford from afar. You'd see him eight, you know, maybe eight games if you played him in the playoffs at, at best. So I didn't get a chance to see what he was like as a person, as a family man. That is a huge value that comes along with a team these days. Because when you have a stand-up guy who's a great father, a great leader, it's infectious to the rest of your team. If you look at a guy like Carl Anthony Towns now, tremendous talent. But the other day, watching him play last night, he just seemed like he's taking on a, a, a persona of, dare I say, one of the guys you've always loved, a boogie cousin. <laughs> it's just that I am not, a, I am not that kind of fan. And I realize Boogie Cousins is a, a very talented player. But if you look at what he brings and the way your team plays, that might not be the fit if you don't have that guy who is that LeBron-type guy who can grab him. This team is seems like they're done by committee. I mean, they're, you know, there's Brad, and then you're, there's Al, and now it's Kyrie. All these guys are understated. And because they're understated, I think you don't want one of those wild childs to be on your team because how are you going to direct all that wildness into making your team a better club? Yeah, I really think, Max, what it is where, where people bitch and moan the most is just the money. It's not Al the player, it's the money. And so what I would ask you is, is the Max player label in the NBA just unfair at this point? Um you know what? This is crazy. Yeah, I, 
am I envious of that, that we didn't make that kind of money? Yes. But the owners obviously make, uh, you know, make enough money that they're able to play, pay the players for what they believe they're worth. Um, we can argue the point about, you know, basketball players and, and, and what, but if we look at the owners and you see a team that like the Clippers was sold for $2 billion <laughs> at the end and the owner was able to convert that money, what did the Celtics pay for their team now? How much is it worth? Is it worth a billion, two, $2 billion? So they make their money. And in turn, they pay their employees. The players are the employees, and they're trying to pay them, compensate them for what they believe can make them a better team. Uh, it is unfair that, you know, you look at Al Horford, who is $25 million a year, but he's only averaging 10 points or, or 12 points or whatever it is, but he's still on the winning team. And this team is progressing, if you think about it, the right way. We'll get back to Max in just a moment. I want to tell you today's show is brought to you by Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts is a convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription. Reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's Vision Care Simplified. We all know how big a pain going to the eye doctor can be to renew the prescription and everything else that's involved. You have to wait in the office for what can feel like hours and figure out if you like number one or number two better. It's a hassle. Not anymore. Simple Contacts brings the doctor to you wherever you need it. Take a vision test at home, have it finished in five minutes, and then a real doctor reviews your test and writes you a new prescription. This is not a replacement for your full periodic eye exam, but if you just want to update your script in minutes, log on to simplecontacts.com. Need a refill? Upload a picture of your prescription. Simple Contacts handles the rest. Evan Valenti, huge help here on Celtics Beat. I'm sure you know that. He uploaded his prescription, Simple Contacts, picked out a few brands. Evan got a text message from the company confirming that the order was correct two days later contacts arrived at his door the contact lens prices are unbeatable vision test only twenty dollars shipping is free and best of all my listeners get thirty dollars off their first simple contacts order with promo code celtics news try it for yourself and save thirty dollars on your lenses by going to simplecontacts.com slash celtics news or entering the code celtics news at checkout again simplecontacts.com slash celtics news or use code celtics news at checkout Last one on Al, then we'll move on. He admitted late last year he wasn't totally comfortable until just before the playoffs for a range of reasons. This year got off to a phenomenal start. He's obviously slowed down a bit despite being an all-star. If you were to put a grade on his overall time in Boston so far, what would it be? Um, I would say A-minus. And I say A-minus because he's brought stability to that position. You know, every day he can go out and work. If he's not injured, he's going to go out and give you a quality effort and you know is he going to score points you know in bunches every night now but he has hit big shots over and over again he's made big defensive plays uh you know he's hit some winning shots he takes on another role when Kyrie Irving isn't there uh how is he going to be when you get Gordon Hayward to come back he's going to have to take another seat back on the offensive end so his numbers might decline again but this team still can be better 
Well, believe me, I'm going to get to Gordon Hayward. But first, uh, Terry Rozier, Scary Terry. He's been hot since the few games that he started with Kyrie Irving out. Really, that was the start of this turnaround. He is averaging 15-5-4 his last 15 games. He's double figures in all of them, blossoming before our very eyes. You see it all the time across the league. Guys kind of get trapped on the bench because they're not as good as the players in front of them, but then they go somewhere else, start regularly, and they flourish. I mean, on a, on a much higher scale, it's kind of like James Harden and OKC before mm-hmm. he winds mm-hmm. up in Houston. So are we nearing a point, do you think, where Rozier is going to be trapped in Boston with Kyrie here? Oh, man, what a good trap that is for the Celtics. Well, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you look at teams and, yeah. I mean, let's let's break down another team. Let's look at OKC. Who did they have on their roster? I mean, Harden, Durant. Westbrook. And, and Westbrook. You, you go with some of the others. Serge Obaka mm-hmm. played with them. Look at the, the numbers they had alone, you know, of guys who played Jeff Green. It, uh, Lamp, I mean, Jeremy Lamp. Mm-hmm. They've had all these different players that you look at and go, oh, my God, how much talent did they have? And obviously they had to break it up at some point. But um, you just kind of keep going. Uh, I think Terry Rozier is going to be a tremendous player. But there's going to be a point where he's going to have to ask himself and the Celtics going to have to ask themselves, is he going to be worth the money, just like Marcus? You can't keep everybody. This is a really, really fun, good team. But the salaries for what the compensation for what these players are going to want, I don't know how you keep Terry Rozier at the end of the day or how you keep Marcus. You you can't keep both. Somebody's going to have to probably move on. What if you had to choose one? Right now, I would choose uh, Marcus. Because? I choose Marcus because – his defense, the way he plays defense, uh, Terry has been is, has been unbelievably shooting the basketball, knocking down shots. But what Marcus brings you is the intangibles that win that win basketball games in another way that you need. Um, you think about how they were playing without Marcus Smart. There was no defensive rudder at all. When Marcus came back. Marcus has has bought a certain purpose on the defensive end that this team is now starting to win some basketball games. But when this team scored was 119 points this year and still lost by 10, couldn't stop couldn't stop a soul mm-hmm. for for a little bit. So that is why if I had to pick one over the other, and and you're you're asking me a point blank question, that is why I would take Marcus over Terry Rozier because of his size and his ability to shut down other bigger defenders like a Harden or at least get into their faces like that. Do you think Danny Ainge, ultimately, when he's forced to make the decision, which could very well be this offseason, obviously, with Marcus being a restricted free agent, is going to be willing to pay what it costs to keep a guy like that and all the different things he does and the winning plays that we talk about? The, I mean, he made a half dozen great plays in that game last night alone. Will he pay up to keep him here? Does he recognize all that importance? Well, let me put it this way, and, and it's not a copy now. I hope he does keep Marcus. But I did something, it, must, it had to be 10, 11 years ago. Uh, Rajon Rondo, mm-hmm. a good friend of mine at that time, and I was asking Rondo, I was like, you know, how much how much does it take right now for you to stay here in Boston? And he said, they got to give me $10 million a year. 
I was like, wow, $10 million. And I was on another radio station at the time doing talk radio. And somebody was asking me about it. And I said, well, I talked to, you know, I was, in, I was sitting there talking to Rondo. And I said, Rondo wants $10 million a year. So a reporter mm. hears me on this other radio station and asked Danny Ainge. He said, well, Danny, Cedric Maxwell was on the air the other day. And he said that uh, Danny Ainge, that uh, Rajon Rondo wanted $10 million a year. And Danny Ainge said, we don't negotiate through Max. <laughs> and end up giving him eleven million. Yeah. <laughs> he could have saved a million. <laughs> so I, I tried to get out of that thing about trying to say what I want, but in this case, what you're asking me is, I would love for Danny and the higher ups to um, recognize Marcus's value, and I think they will. I think they do. Uh, but again, you can't keep everybody, and they have to make a uh, a business decision. If you could do me a favor, next time you see Marcus, ask him what it'll take to keep him here, and just shoot me a text. <laughs> just shoot, just shoot me a text, and then I'll put it out there. You won't even be connected to it, according to a source. I'm told Marcus Smart wants twelve million dollars a year to stay with the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, that that would be really good if I just started out <laughs> like that and said, "Yeah, Marcus, how much?" And I've had dinner with him several times, and so he's really just a, he really is a quality guy. I mean, when you sit down and talk to him, I mean, people say, "Yo, Marcus is a hothead, Marcus," but if you watch the way he's playing right now, Sean Grandin, my broadcast partner, said it best. It almost looks it's a a joy on his face after coming back from what could been a a devastating uh, self-inflicted injury, mm-hmm. punching a wall or punching a pitcher, and uh, could have just messed his hand up where he couldn't have played for the rest of the year. So even beyond Marcus, beyond Terry, this bench, well, inclusive of those guys, really, I should say, has been fantastic since the All-Star break. So many offensive weapons there. Marcus Morris, Greg Monroe's kind of come into his own a little bit of late. Everybody seems to be clicking at once. Do you believe that group can consistently perform that way in the postseason? Uh, yes. And, you know, you look at um, all the ancillary pieces are starting to play much better. And that's going to make it easier for the, the Kyrie Irvings, uh, you know, the, the Jalen Browns, the, uh, you know, Tatum's going to make it much easier for them. Because if you look at Baines, the way he's played, did we ever think that Baines would be the guy who would be starting? opposite Al Horford for so many games and the Celtics will be winning the way they have won. Um, I love, I love the fact that Brad Stevens has so many cards he can use the way Morris has been shooting the ball lately, uh, knocking down shot after shot. Um, you know, this, this is a team that every, that Brad has so many things that he can counter the opposition with that is going to be scary down the stretch to see, you know, what team is good enough to beat the Celtics in a seven-game series? So, Max, Brad Stevens said last week, we'll just go to the elephant in the room here, that Gordon Hayward is not coming back this year. It was the most definitive statement we've heard on the topic mm-hmm. from someone in the organization since the injury. Now, he is also the only one who has said it. Not Danny Ainge, though he said he doesn't expect it. Not Gordon Hayward, though his dad said it's unrealistic. Not his agent. Just Brad Stevens. Do you believe we're at a point where this should be a dead issue? You know what? Let's let's be. We're we're doing radio, okay? So we'll do the con, we'll do the conspiracy and 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 the theories out here. Um, I have not seen him run. I have seen him shoot in a gym, 
I've seen him practice, you know, little shell, shell groups. What I have not seen him do is run. And what I hear when he runs, there's a hitch in his giddy-up. Because of that, I'm thinking more and more now that he will not play for the remainder of the season or even in the playoffs. But I look at it this way also. Let's go to the flip side. If I had a chance to win a basketball game and I had eight months or seven months behind me after an injury and I could have a Gordon Haywood on the bench as my 13th guy, I think I would roll the dice myself. But uh, Brad Stevens has stated that, and maybe it's true. But, you know, when this is winning time and you can pull anything out to win a championship, wow. I would hate to have that card out there and not play it. All right, so a few quick things right there. One, you be- so you believe he's not going to come back? I'm starting to believe he's not coming back. So you're not sold? I, no, I wasn't. I was not sold. I was not sold at all because I watched him. I, I, the first time I saw him after the injury, and this was, we're talking about maybe two months ago, and he was he had worked out, and I'm watching him walk down the hall. He had no short pants. I was looking for the atrophy in the muscle itself and i was trying to see which leg was broke had he, you know i knew which leg had been broken but there was no difference in which one looked looked the same so that's why i wasn't so i'm like damn this dude's getting healthy and he could come back so that's why I, i've always been on that side of like mm, he could come back but you know hmm. i guess brad is, is making that decision and making it for us. Chris Mannix mentioned uh, when I, I had him on this podcast back around the All-Star break, he said that he saw a little bit of, you know, the ankle looked purplish. You've, I'm sure, seen him more recently than that. You haven't seen that? It looks color-wise anyway? It looks healed? It looked like it was. You know, I'm, I'm looking from, he had on shorts, uh, he had on low-top tennis shoes, and I'm looking for the fracture or the break in the you know, the skin or discoloration, I didn't see it. How long ago and was this, that? This this was, uh, I'd say, probably about a little bit before the All-Star break. So we're talking less than, you know, less than a month ago. So that's what I looked at, and that's what I saw, and that's what I observed. I went to the practice facility, and he was out doing drills, and he was shooting the basketball Um Again, he was more stationary, just took a couple of quick steps, but I have not seen him explode and run up and down the floor, and that is the key to what he has to do. You said the, the hitch in his giddy-up. I mean, what kind of hitch, if you were to describe it? Like, does he does he pull up lame? Does he just, he's not full go? I mean, how does, how does he kind of look out there? This, this is what, I, I have not seen him run. I've just heard this okay. from people who saw him, who've been around him, said there's a, there's a, hitch in his giddy up and because of that that's what i'm going on what they said all i've seen him do is walk and i've seen him in a stationary position working out so was it you know he dribble 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 and then throw the basketball or take a couple of quick steps and there didn't seem to be nothing there but basketball is about sprinting up and down and changing directions that is when you're going to know if you have pain or if you can do that so I'll make you, before I, I move on here, I'll, I'll make you pot commit to this thing. You like to joke about your ex-wife all the time. Present your ex-wife's gun is to your head, yes or no? Oh, if, 
I'd probably be dead if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yes or no? You're like, um, I'm going to go with no. Okay. I'm going to go with no right now. I, I was leaning towards yes, but if you ask me right now, I'm going to go with no. All right, you're candid, always have been with me. I mean, we're, we're hearing that over the last uh, while here. When it comes to values of players, untouchables, potential trades, things like that, we've talked about it all. So let's go to the land of make-believe. What okay. or who would you give up for Anthony Davis? Is anybody untouchable in a deal like that? Wow. Um, for Anthony Davis, there would be a few untouchables. Untouchables would be Gordon Haywood, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, I'd have to keep either Jalen Brown or Tatum. But you would give up one of them regardless of which one. I would would say one of you guys get in the car, get some (laughs) sandwiches, because this is going to be a long trip down to New Orleans. I'm about to drive (laughs) one of you down there. Uh, If you get Anthony Davis and you put him on this team, you are countering what they've done on the West Coast when you think about what's going on in Golden State. You have counted the, the, the talent level uh, that he would bring immediately to your team. He's a shot blocker. He's a facilitator. Uh, you know, he, he sets the table. He runs the floor. He's long. He's athletic. Uh, and he's young. So you put yourself in position if you able to get him to do things for a long time. So those three or four players would be the only thing that would not be untouchable if I was thinking about if I was New Orleans and I wanted to make a move or they wanted to make a move. So Tatum or Brown, but you would not give up both of them? I wouldn't give up both of them. I would give up one of them. Now, if you push me to the, to the limit, both guys get in the car, okay? Both, <laughs> of you guys, both of you guys are out of here. If you were pushing me to the limit. So again, the gun-to-your-head situation, you'd give up both? A gun-to-my-head situation, both of them would be gone. And because I think and, you know, not to uh, diminish their talent, but you're talking about a guy who is a seven-footer mm-hmm. and who – Shoots threes. Uh, oh, shoots threes, who defends the ball at a high level, who blocks shots, who is, uh, you know, almost – he would be – he's like a, a aircraft carrier, you know. Ships <laughs> just, you know, planes just land on him. And, you know, you can throw the war pretty much if you have a big air- aircraft carrier. He's that kind of guy. Max, the Seas have two meetings left with the Raptors the last couple of weeks of the regular season. At the moment, Boston two games behind Toronto. Do you think the Celts can get that one seed, or should they even be fighting for it? I think they can get it. Uh, I listen to my broadcast partner, Sean Grandy, all the time, and he says, eh, no, they're, they're, you know, have to concede that. I don't, you know, the Raptors play a huge game tonight. I mean, it was one of these games tonight. I think it's tonight uh, where they end up playing um, um, Houston. And Houston's won 18 in a row. Mm-hmm. If they win, if the Raptors win that game, I think that now you're looking at it's going to be harder and harder uh, for the Boston Celtics to try to catch them. They need to have like a one-game bubble, and you have these, and you have Toronto a couple of times. I would say, why not? Why not? I I, I think that you want to also rest players, so you're not going to go full bore. Ultimately, what you're looking for is to get great playoff position and have your players healthy. So it, it, you don't want to mash your gas all the way, but you want to kind of at least be in a position to control who you're going to play in the playoffs. 
With all the attention on the Cavs, largely because the world just seems to revolve around LeBron James, do you think people are underrating the Raptors as a team? Because the perception has generally been good regular season team, but they fall apart in the playoffs. Yes, yes, yes. I believe that. I believe they're, they've been that uh, crowd wolf team uh, for the longest time where, you know, oh, my God, the Raptors are unbelievable. They're playing great. And then they get to the playoffs and like, oh. <laughs> so I think I think that is the, the, the difference. I mean, they – they have been that team, and they need to prove to people and prove to themselves and their city that they're ready to take that next step. It seems like every time they they met LeBron James, they have wilted, and uh, so I, I I'd be interested to see it. They have, you know, Kyle Lowry has been playing great basketball. The Rosen, you know, he won't get the, the mention of that, but the Rosen has been playing at that LeBron level uh, for a long time this year. Uh, you know, they have um, Sergio Baca. They have bigs in the middle that can get it done. This is a team that has a lot, a lot, a lot of weapons, but unproven weapons in the playoffs. The Cavs' Kevin Love and other players have recently discussed battles with depression and mental illness, and it's great, obviously. They're comfortable talking about those things and seeking the help that, that they can to live better lives. They're building awareness. But I'm wondering, could a player from your era have done that? No, because you it, it was a different era. Um, uh, remember when you had a concussion back during that time, it was like, you know, put some smelling salts and smelling salt in and let's let's get it going. Uh, you know, you were look you were cast down if you, you know, you were like, hey, I, I'm, I'm taking the precaution here. So I won't do any further injury. It was more of a gladier mentality. Uh, if you look at it today, uh, it, at that time, during my time, if you said I got a mental illness, guys would have just ridiculed you. Play, uh, fans would have ridiculed you. Uh, you know, media probably would have. You know, just dismissed it. So it is a it's a different era and different time. So I think that people do think. Uh, take things right now a lot more serious than they did during the uh, during the you know during my time when uh, they would have laughed at that particular situation. And I'm assuming you feel that's for the better, obviously. Yes, it's, it's for it's, it's yes, yes, it's definitely for the better because if you have a mental illness and you're able to talk about it and you're able to get help and you can seek help without being ridiculed by the team or by your fellow players, or by the organization, or by the fans. It helps everybody. Let's wrap with this, Max. Rapid-fire questions, so you can answer them with one word in 10 seconds. It's up to you, but no explanations needed. Okay. Who is the next Celtic to have his number retired? Kevin Garnett. After him? Ray Allen. Really? You think so? <laughs> I See, I thought you'd say I Danny Ainge. Stop, I thought you'd I say Danny Ainge. Well, it's because we fought about Ray Allen on how many times? <laughs> I knew that would stop you in the heartbeat. You don't believe that. You're lying. No. I, I, well, here's the thing. Gordon Hayward's wearing 20 right now. I know. Well, somebody was wearing 31 for a while. That's a good point. Maxwell was around. That's a good point. But, 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 but the point that I make about that to me is I wish during Paul Pierce's retirement, and I didn't get the chance to say it, and I wish I had said it, I wish somebody had told Ray Allen, Ray, come home. It's time to come out of the dark. Mm-hmm. Because there, it wasn't a big two. It was a big three. 
and they would not have won without Ray Allen. No Ray question. Ray Allen is, is going to go down as a Hall of Famer, and he was great for this team. Everybody mocked him because he got because he decided to leave after the Celtics tried to trade him four or five different times. Uh, you and know, tried and, to sit him behind Avery Bradley. Yes, and he, he decided to make a decision and leave, and people were upset. That's the craziest thing. If you go out and you're traded as a player, people are okay with that. But if you decide that you want to go someplace else as a player on your own, making the decision about your future, then people get upset. That, to me, is absolutely crazy, especially if you've done what Ray did for this team. Then again, you, you can kind of relate. Oh, that, I'm, that's, that is my, that's a, my exact point. Then I'm that person who I wish somebody had told me at the same time, all right, Max, it's time for you to come back. Because I was upset with the organization for ridiculing me once I got hurt and tried to come back and, you know, well, you didn't do this, and I know what I did. And then once I left, you know, hearing, you know, ex-teammates saying, well, he didn't try hard enough and, and this, that, and the other. Well, did I try in the seventh game against the Lakers? When I, you know, we helped win this, we helped win another championship, or when I was a Finals MVP, or all those years that I scored points for this team. So I, I can definitely relate to Ray Allen and what he might be thinking and what he's going through and the ridicule that he got from some of his former teammates, and that shouldn't be the case. Look, I, I think Ray should have been MVP of that final series and not Paul. But we uh, we could we could go for an hour on this because we have in the past. I I didn't enforce the rapid fire. Let's go back to it, Jeff. <laughs> well, you the way, man. You, you took me up a Yeah, I, I did. Uh, well, that's be, that's because you did that <laughs> to try and get under my skin. Look, I gave you one answer. You said give me one, answer. <laughs> and I said Ray Allen. You go really? <laughs> All right. Well, I I, <laughs> I thought you'd say Danny Ainge. We would just move on. Ray Allen, he's not going up there. Jeff Goodman, Max, said that he believes Jason Tatum is going to have a better career than Paul Pierce. Agree or disagree? No. Give me your all-time Celtic starting five. Ooh, okay, I'm going to go with Larry Bird. I have to go with Bill Russell, um, Kevin McHale, um, John Havlicek, and I'm going to go out right now because he's here. Kyrie Irving is one of the best wow. finishers ever to be around in the game. No offense to any other point up the great Bob Cousy, but Kyrie Irving is at another level of being a point guard that we have not seen ever in this, orga- in this organization. And may not even be in his prime yet for that matter, 25 years old. Yes. Um, rank the C's color analyst between you, Tommy, and Scal. That may be the, the most unfair question <laughs> you've ever asked me to rank the color analyst. In what way? In description or talent or, or the way they present the game? I think we all do the game in a different way. Uh, and I've seen Tommy Heinsohn, and Tommy Heinsohn would have to be number one uh, because he's done it so long and he's been brilliant. Uh, in his assessment of the game. So I, I would just probably rank Tommy as number one. Everybody else is just so far behind. We don't even need to be ranked. We just have to be on the boat. All right. One last one for you, and I lied because this may take you longer if it's a story. What one moment from the radio do you wish you could have back? Something that you said, something that you did, anything, any experience you've had on the radio as a broadcaster, not as a player? 
the only thing that I wish if I could have taken back any words would have been probably the Violet, Violet Palmer incident where I said, go get me some bacon and eggs. And I was at, and I'll tell the story, but nobody ever heard it. We were, if you heard it, I was actually mocking Tommy Heinsohn because Tommy Heinsohn just did not like any officials, especially the women officials. Mm-hmm. So I really wasn't going after her because I was never gone after this woman of color. As I, and I know how hard it was for her to get in that position. But if there was one thing that I could take back that I said during that time that was misunderstood, that would be that particular thing. And that was that's pretty good in 20, 22 years of broadcasting. Did you ever have the chance to talk to her about it? I did. I, I walked on the floor one day after everything had calmed down a year later, and I went out and I actually apologized to her and just told her the same thing. I, I know how I said I know how difficult it is for you to get in this position as a, a female uh, referee and to be a person of color. Uh, so I am really sorry if I offended you in any way. So, yeah, I had had a chance to go actually speak to her on my own. Max, I, I would tell you it's always a treat, but honestly, my friend, that wouldn't even cover it. Always enjoy talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. All right, guys. Have a good one. So thanks again to Cedric Maxwell. Very quickly, because I know we're late, Twitter questions. Brandon, why do you think the Celtics won't make it past the first or second round of the playoffs? I am not a believer in that. I think they have as good a chance as anybody to get to the NBA Finals, most certainly the Conference Finals. But matchups do play into it. I don't think they're going to be surprised in the first round. I'm not of that camp. But if they have the Cavaliers, let's say, in round two, if seeding plays out that way, and they're healthier and have Kevin Love back, and they're, they figure it out in the next few weeks, and Gordon Hayward's not back, that could be a tough matchup. I wouldn't just assume Celtics are going to coast into the conference finals, or even beyond that. I think that would be crazy. From uh, at BCMPBL, you could have made it easier for me there, pal. Who do you think is uh, more likely to return next year, Gronk to the Pats or Smart to the Seas? Wow, um, that's a great question. I'm going to say Gronk because I just don't believe he's going to retire, and I don't believe the Patriots are going to trade him. I don't think they're entertaining that, and I just don't believe that when push comes to shove, he's. I don't think he's going to walk away from Tom Brady. I, I think he's got a couple more years left in him at this point. Smart to the seas, I, I hope. I hope. Like Max said, I hope he's back, but I don't know what kind of money he's going to command and what Danny's going to be willing to fork over when push comes to shove. And uh, Evan, first time, long time. Should the Celtics stop dunking? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, that was just such a scene with Jalen Brown, obviously, last night, slipping off the rim the way that he did there. I, uh, I, I'd i like to see them dunk more, really, or at least go to the basket more, be more aggressive as they've been a little bit more lately. Don't rely so much on the three-point or at least balance it out maybe a little bit more than they did at stretches earlier this year. So, no, I have no problem with the dunking. That was a freak thing, just like Gordon Hayward's thing was a freak thing. Well, we've run long, but uh, look, I think it's been a, a great show, a fun show. We covered a lot of ground and Max, some really juicy nuggets from Cedric Maxwell. Thanks again to him, to Nick, to Larry, to Evan, everybody else at CLNS Media. Again, episode 253 brought to you by Simple Contacts. Shop for lenses the easiest way possible at simplecontacts.com. Use promo code CELTICSNEWS at checkout for $30 off your first order. Again, that is simplecontacts.com. Use the promo code CELTICSNEWS for $30 off. We welcome your feedback. 
fact, we encourage it. Get me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman, and please, like I always say, if you want more shows and you just want to keep up with what is going on, subscribe because show releases may be all over the map for a little bit here on through the playoffs. Subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever it is that you find the show. We want you to hear us and we want to hear from you. All right, Gino, I'm Adam Kaufman. Talk to you next time.